in this episode of the Talentcast, Facebook demands, I mean demands, that we talk about Facebook some more. Howdy. Welcome to The Talent Cast, where we talk about the new world of talent acquisition and recruitment marketing. I am always am your host, James Ellis. Uh, I was bitten by a radioactive recruiter once and discovered I had strange new powers, and thus, we are here. This podcast is not sponsored or supported by anyone whatsoever. We've instituted a 100% no-pitching rule. We're here to learn, teach, and discuss so we can all become better recruitment marketing thinkers. I'm not here to sell you anything. If you like this podcast, and I really hope you do, tell the world on LinkedIn and Twitter and any other place you're professionally social. I'm pretty sure your friends don't care. Uh, You can always review us on iTunes or Google Play. We really appreciate that. Uh, As always, if you have comments, questions, topic suggestions, if you would like me to discuss uh, your particular problem, if you know someone I should interview, reach out to me on the Twitter. It's The War for Talent. That's right, The War for Talent. Or just go to our website. We're at thetalentcast.com, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, here we go. Hope you enjoy. Good morning. It is uh, Wednesday morning, the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, now you got a little insight to how we do this. Uh, not too much of a of a delay here. Uh, I've got my coffee. It's early in the morning. Hold on, let's test it. Mmm, that is indeed coffee. So I want to talk about Facebook. I didn't want to talk about Facebook. I really, really wanted to avoid Facebook. We talked a great deal about Facebook three weeks ago, or four weeks ago, or whatever it was, and I think I pretty much planted a flag there and said this is how to think about Facebook. But then Facebook went and did some stuff. I mean, they went and pub, you know made some new tools and launched some new tools, and everybody's talking about it. Well, I guess I got it too. So let's talk a little bit about Facebook. So, and by the way, you know so they've launched a whole lot of stuff. They're clearly trying to diversify their income streams. They're really trying to figure out. Okay, we, <laughs> much like Google, Google, whose ninety nine percent of all their revenues is made on that on the on the ad word. Uh, at one point and was still raking in the cash is diversified it's putting ads in other places it's getting to mobile obviously the the android thing seems to be working out pretty darn well um facebook is also looking to diversify they've realized that yes they have you know if you look at the iab uh, that's the uh, the ad um board people if you look at their um data aggregated data on 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 web or on all ad spending ad spending is up ad spending continues to be up it's really up in places like the internet and by the way it's really really up for companies that are able to connect to search marketing and to social marketing which by the way are two companies google and facebook they own the lion's share of that so when ads as a whole are going up um, obviously, print's kind of not still continues tr- trending down, and billboards still trying to figure themselves out, and there's a lot of, you know, broadcast and yada yada. The growth is all coming from Google and Facebook. They make so much money. You, it, it staggers the imagination. And on top of which, let's remember, Facebook has 1.6 billion users. That is active users. These are not profiles that are created and killed or let lied fallow or multiple profiles for individuals like you know i have seven twitter accounts by the way and many of whom most of whom i just create because it was a joke and it was funny and I, I used it for about a month and i let it sit i still get notifications twitter figure it out i'm not there anymore i don't care i don't even remember what login it is anywho the 1.6 billion facebook active users 
on top of which Facebook has some of the longest site durations of any site anywhere. People show up to their site every single day. They hang out there for minutes and hours at a time. It's insane. It's insane. It They just, they have the internet's eyeballs. Um, to some extent, it is the television of the internet. It's the thing you can do. There's always something new going on. There's always something happening. You can flip your channels and scroll up and down and figure out what's going on. There's always something to see on Facebook. And man, Facebook loves that. They are so thrilled that you can see them that way and there's always stuff going on. There's 1.6 billion people actively making content. And as much as they filter and much we could talk about fake news and I think there's a, a conversation that could happen there. Um, we, I want to talk about what's going on. So first off, um, Facebook is clearly, I don't know if it's for the holiday season or they've just decided this is when they're going to promote it. Have you noticed all the ads for Facebook Live? So Facebook Live, if you don't know it, is the thing where you can effectively make a TV channel. You can broadcast live video to through Facebook and it can be stored. Um, it's a pretty slick little system. We've, you know, I've played with Periscope and I played with Meerkat but I've played with Facebook Live and there's, I think YouTube has one too um, or has is, is just announced it. They're really, really nice if that's what you're into. Um, you know, you want to broadcast the thing you do. You want to broadcast the trick. We broadcasted a conference we did um, on our corporate channel. It was a lot of fun. It was very easy to do. Um, very, very straightforward, and you got to save it. So there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with it. Why I'm suddenly seeing billboards and bus ads for Facebook Live kind of boggles my mind. Now I get I'm in a big city. I'm in a number in Chicago, so number three metropolitan area in the country if you, and I'm just asking you personally, if you have 1.6 billion, and I'm going to make use that joke every single time, pause before the billion, you have 1.6 billion active users. Do you need to buy a bus ad? Do you really? I mean, it seems a little crazy to me. Why would you? Uh, you've got all the eyeballs. You've got them. You've got them. When they're on your site, you don't even have to say, hey, Think about it. When you're on Facebook, go to Facebook Live over here. No, Facebook Live is in here. You're already looking at it. It's like going to one grocery store and being sold a car. And we're seeing, seeing an advertising for a car. It's like I'm at the grocery store. Show me car ads when I'm at the, you know, talking about cars. Um, if you've got so many eyeballs, why do you need to promote it on bus ads? I mean, maybe there's a strategy here that I'm not seeing, but I don't get it. I'm, maybe there's a, a ad salesperson, a, you know, ad buyer somewhere who's just a genius at convincing people to make these decisions. Uh, and I think back to a year ago, Chicago was littered with Yahoo bus ads. I'm like, really? Yahoo bus ads? That makes no sense. I'm so far away from the internet and from searching. If I'm searching, I'm, you know, I've, I've going to open up my browser and type it in, and chances are that's not a Yahoo. What is Yahoo trying to remind me to do? It's just a brand. It's, it was just a crazy campaign. Anyway, not what I came to talk about. So at Facebook Live, they're promoting like it's like it's going out of style. It's going to be huge. I think um, they're clearly planting their flag. I think between the promotions they're doing and what's happened last summer with some very unhappy, unpleasant, and this isn't meaning to get political in any way, shape, or form, videos of traffic stops and protests and et, et cetera, et cetera, Facebook has the potential to become this kind of news center, that this is a way of capturing what's going on. Facebook is a way of having a broadcast television station. Well, what do you show? Do you show sitcoms or do you show what's going on around you? And some people will simply say, I'm going to pan the, can around, pan the camera around to what I'm seeing and what's happening, and some of that's not going to be a lot of fun. So I don't know that Facebook ever want to get in the news business. I think it's there to entertain and get people to just see ads, but there it is. So there's Facebook Live. And then there's Facebook uh, Workplace, which I've 
heard told or called a slack killer and i don't buy that for a second um i saw a demo of it uh not too long ago and it's a yammer killer you know for me it is you know facebook says if we've managed to own the communication channels of your non-work life why can't we manage the communication channels and capture those of your work life and i'd quibble i'd say and and i'm a 44 year old white dude that i don't necessarily use facebook the way say a 22 year old uh, person would a millennial would and that's fine uh everybody uses it differently but i just don't think that they've really i mean i think they've captured definitely a element of how people communicate but i don't think they've captured the whole experience whereas i think slack seems to be much better at back and forth so for those of you who haven't seen it facebook is the workspace is workplace rather is um it's a it's a facebook page and it's about your team or it's about your project or whatever you want to set it up as and there's threaded conversations and so if someone posts an update someone posts a thing and there's conversation it's a lot of back and forth it is a lot like how you use Facebook if you were incredibly political and people were commenting and fighting on your comments. That's how it is. But I don't think most people use Facebook that way. I think Facebook is a lot of, hey, look at this cool thing. Hey, look at this cool thing. Oh, hey, over here, this is cool thing. I don't know that it, there's nearly as much back and forth as they're in on, say, a Slack or other channels. That's that's just my perception of it. So clearly they're di- diversifying. They're you know live and then now workplace. And then, of course, there's the big announcement just a week ago that they would start to promote or to have a section of or a function, set of functionality inside of Facebook that will allow companies, much like yourselves, to publish jobs. So clearly, Facebook was looking around trying to diversify their revenue stream, and they're looking at their audiences, and they're looking at their users, and they're seeing that a percentage, a, ch- a section of their audience is gone Facebook, sees a job, and then... Um, is deciding, oh, I'm going to click this link, and they go to this other piece of software. And Facebook, who is not stupid in any way, shape, or form, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning the fake news thing, but whatever, they're not stupid. They say, okay, if there's an, a large chunk of our audience is leaving Facebook to go fill out a job application or go to an ATS or to go to LinkedIn or go to whatever, how do we build a functionality that keeps them where they are? Obviously, that's all Facebook wants to do because the longer you're there on Facebook, the more ads they can show you and the more revenue they can generate. Um, the problem is people don't go to Facebook to look for jobs. It's just that simple. And I think we talked about that last time. Facebook is fantastic for all sorts of things, but looking for a job is not one. And I don't care if you're 22 or 42 or 82. If you're suddenly unemployed or suddenly needing income and you go, I'm going to go look for a job and I'm going to start by going on the Facebook channel because it's not filled with cat memes and political arguments and uh, pictures of kids and grandparents and whatnot, um, sports scores and yada yada. I'm going to look for a job? No, of course you don't. You go to where the jobs are. You go to the Indeeds and the LinkedIn's. And you know now you're seeing Glassdoor is putting forth a pretty serious presence in the job space. And not to mention a number of, of niche-specific or industry-specific job boards. That's, that's where the jobs are. Why would you, you know, that's, what's it, Bonnie and Clyde? Why do you, is it Bonnie and Clyde? Yeah, it's got to be Bonnie and Clyde. Um, why do you rob banks? Because that's, no, 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 it's not Bonnie and Clyde. Now I'm blanking who it is. That's where the money is, right? You go to rob banks because that's where the money is. You go to Indeed and LinkedIn because that's where you perceive the jobs to be. Now, because I do work for a lot of other people for you know that post jobs on Facebook, I can tell you that people do actually post jobs on Facebook. There are jobs on Facebook. They're just really hard to find. Uh, and you have to be in the right headspace and you have to wade through all that other cat meme type stuff to get to them. So you have to say, is there really value in investing in Facebook as a job space uh, You know, two weeks ago? And the question we've always said is, yeah, probably not so much. 
people don't go to Facebook to look for a job. Just in the same way as we talked about if I tried to sell you $100 for 20 bucks and you didn't know me and I walked up to you in the street and made that offer to you, you'd think I was crazy and you'd go away. It's about context. And so what Facebook's got to do in this space is figure out how do we how do we change that? And the problem is, is that the context is a cyclical, circular process. You don't go to Facebook to look for a job because you don't think jobs are there. Thus, people don't post as many jobs there because they don't think people are looking for jobs there. Thus, there not will be jobs there. Thus, people won't go there to look for jobs. And the cycle continues forever and ever and ever. Amen. But that's, that doesn't have to be forever. So what Facebook has effectively said is, okay, in to break that cycle, what we have to do is have a very public, clear, easy way of saying, no, Facebook is for jobs. It's not just about scraping your ATS and sticking them on a tab way over in the corner that no one ever seems to click on. Um, and again, you have to go to each individual page to find the tab to find the jobs. And again, those jobs are all in other places, very easy to find. Google, for one. Uh, so why go to Facebook? So Facebook has to kind of plant their flag and say, no, 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 no. Facebook is just as much about finding jobs as it is cat memes and pictures of your grandkids or pictures of your friends' kids or whatever, or the guy doing a backflip and, and falling on his butt um, and what have you. And how do you do that? Well, first off, you say, look, we're having functionality that's clearly about jobs. So if you look at it, if you've had a chance to play with it, you can see that the form to fill is just like every other form. It looks, you know, every recruiter will go, yeah, that's a real simple ATS. They're going to look at it and go, I know exactly what that is. That's a super straightforward ATS. There's a place for the job title. There's a place for the location. There's a place for the job description. There's even a place for the optional salary, which I think is kind of, uh, that's, 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 that's interesting. And I think if you've heard our conversation with uh, Kirsten over at Glassdoor, her, her theory or her expectation is that in two to three years, everyone's salary will be relative, as public as your uh, home costs are. Um, if you own a home, you can go to Zillow and figure out who paid for, you know, and, and Redfin and any number of companies and figure out how much your neighbors paid for a house and when and how that house transferred ownership, that that same kind of transparency will exist for salaries. And that's interesting that Facebook's kind of said, okay, assuming that happens, here's a space to put the salary of the job. And then, you know, your, your regular, you know, location and stuff like that. And then since that job exists on a brand page, you can say, look, it's part of this brand. And you can click around our brand page feed to see what the rest, what else is going on in the company. Something we know by research is already happening. That is, people are stopping on Facebook to look for cultural um, insider information about how the company works, not necessarily about jobs. Now Facebook is saying, okay, we're going to connect those two things. So it's a, it's a nice little system, and if, for those of you who've used LinkedIn for the same kind of process where you can post a job and have people apply for a job from the user standpoint, it's the same kind of process. It's actually easier on LinkedIn. Um, the difference being on LinkedIn, I have, let's say, optimized my LinkedIn to say, here's everything I've done professionally that was cool, reasons you'd want to work for me. You know, To some extent, my LinkedIn profile and my resume, whatever state it's in today, should be Pretty, pretty parallel. Maybe not the same, certainly, but I want to keep my LinkedIn up to date. I want to show you that this podcast is happening. I want to show you I was speaking at this thing. I want to show you that you launched this really cool project or whatever. LinkedIn is my professional way of bragging, right? So Facebook is not. Facebook is my personal way of bragging. So therefore, when I go to Facebook and I make it and I go to apply for a job, what it does is it grabs my profile. And that means it grabs my name and my, my location, every 
job I've ever had that I've put in Facebook and every school I've ever been to on Facebook. Now, again, as 44-year-old old dude, um, I and having bounced around high schools a bit as a youth, I have three different high schools, and it's grabbing all three of them, to which some of my younger millennial compadres looked at my profile when we were playing around with this, and they said, you have all that information public? And they were incredulous. And I said, look, I'm old. No one spams me. <laughs> Nobody cares about the 44-year-old guy on Facebook. Trust me, I, my ads are really boring. No one's really hitting me up for anything in particular. Um, whereas a millennial is a target audience and everybody thinks, oh, that's where the millennials are. I'm going to go, you know, the more information I post about myself, the more ways people can target me. And I don't care. But that said, it sounded like for my audience of 10 other millennials, they didn't put that much information about them. So when they apply for the job, it's still unclear what you get to say about yourself. There's a space, a field that says, here, tell me something about yourself, and there's a thousand character limit. So it's not quite a resume or a cover letter. I mean, it's a, it could be a short cover letter, but um, it's really not, that, that's, it's more of an attention seeker more than anything. So, but when you're Facebook, you put that information in, it grabs what it can, you type in your thousand character, uh, hey, I'm amazing, whatever you're gonna say, and you hit submit and away you go. Um, you can then message the page via Inst uh, Facebook Messenger and try and talk to whoever's behind it and you know maybe get some interaction. And in tests, we've seen that if you post for a job A on Facebook and people realize they can apply for it, they suddenly realize they can message you and suddenly they're messaging about all of your other jobs. So it's complicated. It, it, it can, it, it's, it's clearly one of those things to, to pull it all the way back and say, this is an interesting idea. I'm not 100% sure Facebook's got it right just yet. I also don't think that Facebook's done in any way, shape, or form. I think Facebook looked at all the money that LinkedIn's raking in um, to get recruiters, to get companies to advertise, to own the employer brand space and said, why can't I get a piece of that? And that's what they're doing. They've planted that flag and said, look, the problem with finding a jobs for certain audiences is that ATSs are a pain. They take forever to fill. Every, you know, There's data that so, shows every time you take um, fields out of your ATS, your application rates go up. Your abandoned rates drop like rocks. So, okay, let's make it as dead simple as possible. Now, that's great if you're trying to hire cashiers or waiters or very low-level, entry-level type people for whom there's not a lot of particular information. I always tell the story of my younger sister, who is now 24 and probably sick of me telling these stories, as I have for the last couple of years. When she finished school, she went to University of Wisconsin at Madison. She had a history degree. Smart nice, kind, had very little experience outside of working as a housing resident or housing assistant. Um, and effectively, she wasn't qualified for anything in particular, and she looked like every other kid graduating from a good-sized school that year. I mean, it was her and about a couple hundred thousand kids just exactly like her. How do you differentiate? And it's complicated. So since you can't differentiate, you work on the law of big numbers. You hit the button as much as you can. You go apply, 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 apply. Facebook seems optimized for that process. I, I just where it is today I'm not saying that's where it's done I'm not saying they're finished I'm saying today they're optimized for that process they're looking at audiences who are generally younger who think to go on Facebook who generally live on Facebook for that information for that kind of interaction they don't need a lot of information about that person a thousand characters plus a very limited um, CV or resume of just here's companies I've decided to let you know that I've worked for and let's be fair I've looked at plenty of Facebook profiles. Very fewer and fewer people are publishing that information and making that information available to share. So I'm not sure where we are. And the thing, you know, on top of which, 
the reason Facebook is doing this is because the ad or the, 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 the post is free, but it's going to have the same kind of reach as any other post, i.e. 1% to 3% organic reach. And frankly, I think that number gets lower and lower every day and they just don't tell us. Um, and if you want that ad to be seen by all of your fans or by a section of, you know, if you, let's say you have an ad for a cashier and you want to pick, you want to make sure people who are already fans of your brand know about it, you don't need to know or tell the 50-year-old fan of your brand that that's there because it's very unlikely that they want that job. You might want to only show that job to people between the ages of 18 and 25, for example. And to do that, you can you can use Facebook exclusions. I don't know that, I haven't actually seen exclusions used on the jobs yet, but I think I would presume you could. Um, but really what Facebook wants you to do is to promote that job and to promote it like you would any piece of content or any ad. Pick an audience, pick a target, push it out there. You can say, yes, people who are already fans of my brand, people who are not fans of my brand, age range, interest, demographics, location, all that good stuff that you can, all the amazing targeting Facebook puts out, you can now put for jobs. It's That's pretty nice. The question remains though, are people going to Facebook to look for jobs? And so to me, the, the, the success of Facebook jobs rises and falls on the simple idea of, can Facebook break the cycle of thinking about Facebook as not a job place and, and as a place where you get the cat memes, et cetera? How do they, if they can break that out and say, look, Facebook is a place to look for jobs just as much, they're in it. Now, a couple of barriers to that. First, as this moment, there's no central place to look for jobs. So I can go on LinkedIn or I can go on Glassdoor, I can go on Indeed, and there's a search bar and I can type something in and it will show me all jobs. It will show me jobs about uh, social, mar uh, social media, jobs about copywriting, jobs about whatever it is, boom, there they are. And I can use some nice little filtering tools to say, no, no, I just want the ones in Chicago or just the ones in Peoria or just the ones in Pittsburgh. Uh, or you know what, you know, LinkedIn does one where I can say, no, I want entry level or no, I want executive or I can kind of fine tune that search and it will show me jobs. There's nothing like that on Facebook right now. So you are effectively being shown jobs. So they've mastered that kind of bottom part of the funnel of the process of collecting that application. But the part of saying, we're going to show those jobs to all these people, they're assuming that people, when they're shown a job, will apply for a job. And it still has that context issue. So that is, if I go to LinkedIn and I go searching for a job, guess what? I'm looking for a job. I'm here to look for a job. It's why I'm showed up. Show me jobs. That's what I want. If I'm on Facebook to see what my favorite band is up to or if they're tour dates or what the most recent uh, mannequin video thing is and you show me a job, I might probably not in the mood for look for a job even if I'm following your brand. And if I'm not following your brand, you're going to have to pay to reach me. And again, there's the context issue. I'm not necessarily in the space for it. And that's kind of why we've said, everybody we work with from a Facebook strategy, the strategy isn't pushing jobs. The strategy is to push a piece of content so interesting that it can compete with a man with a, the mannequin challenge and the cat memes and the political rants and whatever else is on Facebook and say, here's an interesting story. Read the story because that's in context and that makes sense. And once they read the story, you can say, oh, and by the way, if you like that story, if you like the culture of this company, here's some jobs in that company. That's the path we've always promoted. And that's the strategy we've always promoted. Facebook's clearly taken a shot at it. It's just not there yet because it doesn't have the infrastructure around this job search part because it doesn't have that infrastructure. It has to assume that you you know the brand already. You are willing to look for jobs in that brand. And I think they'll do fine with it immediately. I think there's going to be a huge spike of use as companies start playing with it, but they're going to quickly see the context issue. And until Facebook can say, 
here's a job search tool that aggregates all the jobs across all brands, which by the way, should they, you should absolutely be able to do, that's, that's not gonna work. But what happens then is if Facebook then says, oh, in order to fix that problem, I am gonna make that job search, Facebook starts to kind of get complicated, okay? So Facebook is exactly what? Let's say, let's take your average 22-year-old and your average me um, and how we use Facebook. And I follow maybe six bands. Maybe I might say that I really like five or six movies because 10 years ago when I was playing my Facebook profile, I said, yeah, I do like those movies. And back when there wasn't a bajillion people on Facebook, that was a way of meeting other people on Facebook and saying, oh, I have like interest in you, blah, 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 blah. Um, I have my jobs listed just because, again, built that profile and because professionally, it's safe to say that if I'm at company X, I want to know all the other people on Facebook on company X so I can say, I'd like to make friends with them. It makes sense. I want to make friends with my coworkers and one of the ways you do that is via Facebook. That, that makes sense. How a millennial will use Facebook is going to be different. I think there's a, a very large section, a section of them for whom uh, they are very private. They are very guarded. They do not pr produce or promote or show any kind of information that's, you know, who they know, who they're related to, who they're dating, who they like, who they're, they're the bands, they're, you know, they're there to say, I'm interested in this event that's happening tomorrow and the day after that event, it kind of disappears off your radar. They're there to post some pictures. They're there to like some other pictures. They're there to share a cat meme or um, something I found and that's how they use it. And it's not necessarily a interaction space and thus showing jobs to those people, I don't think that they're really gonna yell. I think what Facebook is counting on is that they've lowered the barrier of entry to apply for a job such that even if it's not quite the time for me to look for a job or it wasn't even the move for a job, yeah, sure, I'll click three buttons and make that happen. No skin off my nose. That's what they're trying to do. And I don't know how well that's going to work. I'm interested. But like I was saying, the problem is you go to Facebook and now you get jobs as well as cat memes, as well as political arguments, as well as uh, the most recent uh, John Oliver um, stream, as well as uh, pictures of your friend's kids, as well as, as well as, as well as in sports scores and whatnot. What point does Facebook stop feeling like the place you go for information and start feeling like um, a mall where it's, okay, it's a lot of things, but Nothing amazing, you know? You've got the store that sells you, a couple of stores that sell you clothes, you got one store, two stores that sell you shoes, but it's not a DSW or a Zappos. So you're not gonna have the depth because they can't afford the store space because again, as much as Facebook size-wise is unlimited, my attention is not. So therefore, it's gonna have to pick and choose and show me stuff that matters to me to keep me from feeling like I'm getting overwhelmed with junk and which will eventually drive me away. This is the balance that Google faced um, years and years and years and years ago when it was really d diving for the first time into advertising and AdWords where it said, okay, people love Google. Why do they love Google? Because when they come and search for things, they can find things that are useful for them. We've done all the heavy lifting of scraping as many websites as humanly possible, of making the interface as clean as humanly possible, of doing all the really smart people math of saying, here's how to evaluate if a page is good or might be a useful answer to your question. They've done all this work. How do you monetize it? Well, you let sell ads. You say, okay, um, if someone's searching for a hammer, I will let you sell ads. But Google being smart said, if I just say anybody can sell ads. So right now, if you go and you want to have a 30-second TV spot, you can put it almost anywhere. You can put it next to um, NCIS and, 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 and whatever version of uh, – 
uh, CSI is still on the air if, if one is, or maybe it's in, in, in reruns, or you can go to Hogan's Heroes, or you can go to Game Show, or you can go to Sports, or you can go to Telemundo, and you can do it all in Espanol, or you can do it um, to something really raunchy on FFX or FXX or whatever it is, or you can go anywhere. You can put that ad wherever you want, and that ad, when it doesn't quite align with the programming, always feels a little jarring. You know, if you're watching Archer, and or it's always sunny in pencil or if, uh, in, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Lord, it, you're watching. It's always sunny in in Philadelphia, and you get an ad for um, I don't know a, a, a rehab or um, senior citizen living. Yeah, it's like oh, this is a match up. This feels really weird. Um, it, it's jarring. So Google had that concern, and they said, look, the more we treat our ads as interruptions, the more we're telling our users we don't care about you as much as we care about the advertisers. But you need the users to, for the advertisers to have any value. If without any users, no one's there to buy things, no one's there to click things. Therefore, advertisers go away. So Google had to balance between, okay, how do I sell ads to people who want information without making it seem like I'm interrupting them their lives and giving them junk. So what they did is they made a quality score and they said, okay, if you're looking for a hammer, you're going to get 10 results organically for hammers. I'm only going to show you ads for hammers. Now that has two values. One, to the advertiser, they know to build an ad about hammers and they're only going to build an ad about hammers if they sell hammers. So it's perfect. Uh, it's very, 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 very well targeted. At the same time, from the user standpoint, if I'm looking for a hammer, you're not showing me an ad for free pizza and beer that when I click goes to um, a scam of some sort, right? You're not feeling like, oh, Google's just used me for that dollar to click. So you have to balance both sides, both the publisher, the, 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 the advertiser who wants to sell you something and the end user who has to, wants to buy something to make sure that you're making that connection. Facebook, as it grows, is in danger or will be in danger eventually of trying to balance those two players. And because they're so diverse and because the reasons people show up to Facebook are so complex, now that we add jobs, now that we add workspace conversations, now that we add, now that we add Facebook Live and all this other stuff, the reason you come to Facebook is no longer clear. Thus, if Facebook suddenly says, yes, we'll sell you those ad ads, and it really annoys me because it doesn't help my experience in any way, I may stop showing it to Facebook and then Facebook's effectively killed the golden goose. Um, they have to figure out, and I think one of the nice things about Google was that they could say, I, we're all about search. You have a problem, you need a solution, we will give you a solution. Facebook is all about everything. You know, I know that, you know, like Matt Charney wrote about how this is how you kill LinkedIn and yada yada, and I'm like, okay, that's a valid point, and I think he has made some great arguments. But I think the thing is, is that LinkedIn is really, really good at this thing. And it remains to be seen as to whether or not being bought by Microsoft radically changes its core functionality of being a way of being a Rolodex that connects to jobs. Um, if that changes or not, and certainly Microsoft is going to do what it wants and it's got its own plans for that and they've not made that crystal clear yet. Facebook is trying to be everything to everyone all the time. They want to be 24-7. They want to be the place you go for everything. And the problem is, is that waters it down. They are becoming the... Uh, Swiss army knife of the web. Whereas, yes, they have a knife. It's not a good knife. Yes, we have a toothpick. Why do you have a toothpick? I don't know, because we do. Yes, we have a saw. Can I really cut something down with? No, not so much. It's a really bad saw. Uh, but we have them all, and they're all good, and they all work, I guess, sort of, kind of, if you squint. And that's what I'm concerned about, is if Facebook invests in this kind of thinking, and if face, you know, keeps reaching out to these new audiences and this new functionality, it's not clear to me that Facebook can manage all that from a user standpoint and make its own self clear to say, no, we're a this company, we're a that company. Um, you know, think of the reason why 
um, radio or t- broadcast TV has changed. Yes, the technology enabled it, but what was happening is is that if you had, you know, let's go back 20, 30 years before everybody had cable, you had four or five channels. You know, you had ABC, CBS, NBC, you had your PBS channel, you had one or, depending on their city size, two or th- maybe even three UHF channels. You know, one of them might have been turned into a Fox pretty soon. Um, they showed a lot of reruns. They showed a lot of local sports and local news and, and, and goofy weather people and stuff like that. And that's what they had. And then because there was only, at, at most, eight channels, um, for the entire metropolitan area, they knew they could compete against each other to take the maximum size. So what they did is rather than focus on niche programming, they focused on the most broad program, the stuff that's going to appeal to everybody. That's how they worked. Now, the second podcast and YouTube and all this other stuff, and then cable, let's start with cable. Once cable showed up and you could have 300 channels, well, suddenly you had a sports channel. Why? Because there are people who want to watch sports 24-7, right? Not a lot of them. There's not a hundred million in the U.S. There's a couple million, enough to justify the money ESPN spends and Fox Sports and a couple of others, um, NBC Sports, whatever. I'm not trying to get brand specific. They've got a lot of sports because there is a good sizable niche. What about cooking? How many people would want to watch cooking 24-7? Not too many, but enough. Enough to justify a cable channel or two. What about people who want to know about woodworking? Not a lot. Enough to justify two or three hours in the middle of Sunday for for PBS or two or three HGTVs and, and, and woodworking shows and all that stuff on cable. Because once you niche, you can say, look, I don't need to appeal to everybody. I need to appeal to a core group of fans, right? Podcasting the same way. Top 40 radio, country radio, oldies. You had to appeal to these broad swaths of people because you had to be general. That's the only way to exist. That's the only way the, the economic model worked. Once Spotify and Pandora and uh, podcast show up, suddenly you can have a channel about talking about nothing but recruitment marketing, which is crazy. No one would ever give me a show on radio, uh, but I get to do this, and I can talk to just a handful of people who got to care about this stuff enough to learn about it. Look at, you know, every podcast is effectively modeling that same thing. Look, there's a couple hundred people who want to hear this thing. Great, we'll make that work. That's the thing. Facebook is living in a world where it's aggregating and collecting all this functionality into one central hub of Facebook, but it dilutes who Facebook is at its core. Is it a way of keeping up with people? Is it a way of managing those relationships? Maybe. And as you add jobs to that, how does that fit? Well, I don't know that it does. So what does Facebook become? So that's really the key. So to recap, because I guess that's what I should do because I've said a lot in the last half hour. Um, so for Facebook jobs, which is what I wanted to talk about, um, it's a really slick, straightforward functionality. It's free. They want you to promote it so that you get it targeted to the right audiences and enough people actually see it. It allows people to apply for jobs right there in the Facebook channel, leveraging mostly their Facebook information, which may or may not be useful. Um, and I think there's we're going to we'll be running tests over the next month or two, and I'm happy to come back to talk about what we learned and what strategies to put together based on that. But right now, what we're saying is keep it simple, test it. Your audience and their audience and anybody else's audience is going to be different. So test it for you. See what works. See what makes sense. Um, try it. See how it works. But know that you're probably not going to find your next um, high-level analyst or director of marketing or whatever at that space. That's not what Facebook's about. It's really about 
because of the ease of use and because of the amount of information it's collecting, you're going to want cashiers. You're going to want waiters and waitresses. You're going to want ticket takers. You're going to want very straightforward, entry-level, low-level you know, and, you know, know, type people for those kind of roles. Initially, it may grow. It may change. Uh, and then ultimately, what Facebook is trying to do is change the nature of who Facebook is, that it can be all things to everyone, and it still remains to be seen if that's the right strategy. So... So that's all I had to say. Again, if you have any questions, uh, just you know, hit me on, on Twitter at the War for Talent, or go to our website thetalentcast.com. Uh, just complain or answer something or ask me something, and I happily, you know, what I'd like to do. I would like for someone to give me a real problem so we can talk about it on the well, air isn't the right word, but on the podcast. Give me a situation. Let's try and break it down from a digital strategy recruitment marketing standpoint. Let's see what's what, and we can you know give some real time advice or real world advice. So that's where I want. Or if you want, uh, you have someone you can recommend as, as an interviewee, that would be great. Um, I've got one person I'm trying to line up right now, so it won't just be me doing this. So thanks very much for listening. I appreciate it. Tell your friends, uh, your professional friends, um, leave a review, et cetera, et cetera. I appreciate you listening. Thanks very much. And until next time, bye. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.